Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by Hall of Fame broadcaster Teddy Atlas, coming to you from uh, deep into week two of the Corona quarantine. Teddy, how you holding up in Staten Island? Yeah, good. I mean, we're all looking out for each other, which is what I think we're supposed to be doing, and listening to orders, you know, from the people that know how to handle this better than we do, as far as quarantining and practicing social distancing and, you know, trying to be a team player and uh, and make sure that you you listen and you're not, you're not um, just doing whatever you want to do, that you're doing what, again, what the experts are asking us to do together to make things better and just hoping that people, everybody's okay, you know, saying prayers for everybody out there hoping that everyone's okay and reminding ourselves that we're one family, that we uh, take something like this maybe to remind us that we're all together all the time. You know, we're together now when something difficult's happening, but we should be together all the time, even when things are going good, especially when things are going good. It's it's nicer. It's it's even nicer <laughs> to, be, uh, to be a family then. But um, I... You know, I didn't plan on this, but I think I'm just going to say that I would like to say to everybody out there, first of all, thanks for thinking about more than just yourself, thinking about everybody and, you know, showing that great American spirit uh, to come together, whether it was 9-11, whether it was the storms that we went through, you know, whatever. Uh, everybody would come together and think of others. And I just, for my little part, I would like to remind people out there that we've we've been through tough things before. Um, it's kind of like, I always say that, and when I, we started this podcast, I said, for me, boxing is life. You know, we're on a, we're on a, we're on a fight. And, it's just a matter of what you fight for. And now, obviously, we're in a fight. And I would just like to, and when you're in a fight, you're nervous. There's, there can be panic, concern, fear. I mean, if you're not afraid, there's something wrong with you. I mean, you you can't do things in a proper way, in a sharp way if you don't have some fear because the fear gets you ready to handle something that could be dangerous this could be dangerous a fight can be dangerous so i just like to remind people that we've been there before and i'm talking to all of you right now we've we've done this before you know you guys were all born during a fight it was the summer <laughs> if my memory is correct with the history books, it was the summer of 76, as in 1776, yeah, <laughs> and we were not slapped uh, on a butt cheek uh, into this world by a doctor, our ancestors fought their way into this life, and they've never stopped, and we've never stopped, and they have a perfect record, they being us, being this country, being Americans, we have a perfect record. We've beaten wars. We've been in plagues, measles, polio, chickenpox. 
you name it. Storms, floods, Wall Street stock crashes. And we're still here. We've, again, we've never lost. We're not about to start losing now. We ain't about to start losing now. Just be what you've always been. Be those loving, caring, resilient, tough Americans. It's enough. It's all you got to be. You're the dragon slayers. You always have been. Continue to be that. And remember, this, this particular fight, it's not on the battlefields. It's in the laboratories. So let the experts... Let the people, let the scientists, let the doctors, let them do their job. And let's do our job. Our job now is different. We don't have to have that sword in our hand. We don't have to carry that. Let them do their job, but let's listen to orders from the experts. Let's stay home. Let's practice social distancing. Let's let make a phone call to people that we haven't called and say, are you okay? Good. Love you. And let's hold our families together, tighter than ever, and pull them in. Tell them that we love them. Read a book to them. Tell them a story. Maybe tell them that story about the dragon slayer and remind them (laughs) that he's never lost. That's it. Well, while you're at home... One thing that I'd like to recommend to people, if you've read the book before or whether, or even if you haven't, check out Teddy's uh, audio book on audible.com. Atlas, From the Streets to the Ring, A Son's Struggle to Become a Man. Excellent listen if you haven't listened to it. Read a book, listen to a book, whatever you like. During the course of the show, um, one of the things Teddy and I have spoken about is, uh, look, we're all everyone's going through hard times, especially consumer products. No one's spending any extra money. Some people are losing their jobs. It's very scary times for everyone, not just worrying about getting the virus, but how are you going to pay the bills and how are you going to make money for your company, pay your employees? So throughout the course of the show and in future episodes, until this thing comes to an end or we have some end in sight, We want to promote some of the products that have worked with us in the past, some of the people we'd like to work with in the future, and products that we love and support, either the founders or their mission, etc. So with that, I'm going to sprinkle in some some of the products that have some of the companies, like I said, that have worked with us and some that haven't, but could be um, we'd love to work with them in the future when we get through this, because like Teddy said, we're going to get through this. Um, So with that... First product I'd like to mention is Run Gum, founded by Nick Simmons, 800-meter Olympic runner from the U.S. It's a caffeinated gum product. I chew this right before I go out the door to run in the morning. Excellent product. Can't say enough about Nick and the company. He's founded it himself. Good dude. Good company. If you get the chance, give it a try. So, Teddy, let's jump into some of the upcoming fights that have been talked about, speculated about. And I want to get before your opinion you, on a handful of them. Before you throw the first one at me, um, I know, and listen, we, all of you out there, don't ever lose your sense of humor. My mother used to always <laughs> say that. You know, my mother was Irish, and she, and she liked to say that Irish, you know, had a special, different kind of sense of humor. And she used to say to me all the time, when I would get in trouble, don't lose <laughs> your sense of humor. And with that, 
I just say, listen, I know everybody's out there grabbing up all the toilet paper. Are they grabbing up <laughs> razor blades over where you are? <laughs> are they, Ken? Because this I, is, I, this is my Corona you. beard. I'll send them to you. I'm Rob, Rob, maybe Rob can isolate a clip of this and tell the people on uh, social media. Make fun of my beard, please. Tell me how weird it is. The beard is weird. Well, my you know what you look gray. like to me? No, you always look great, kid. But let me tell you something. You know what you look like? That, and Rob's going to get this up after I say it. Don't say a horse's ass. No, never. Never. Never with you. Um, I, would, I would say... That, that's more of the species of donkeys, anyway, isn't it? It's don donkey. <laughs> that that would be more in that in that category. But you look like the guy, the broadcaster from the movie. It was one of the first movies of Batman. I know there's been a lot of Batman movies, but it was one of the first. It was the Batman Joker movie, and. The Joker was doing some treachery in Gotham. You know, he was always doing treachery <laughs> in Gotham. And he, he put something out there, almost similar to, you know, some kind of virus. But it was something to do where you couldn't use any cosmetic stuff. You couldn't put anything on your face, any makeup, yeah. any, any of that stuff on your face. Otherwise, you could be, you know, you could be contagious. So... You see, it's affecting everybody. So all of a sudden, you see this broadcaster on television, <laughs> like you, like you, and he's obviously not himself. He's got no makeup. He's got breakouts all over his face. You know, he looks completely disheveled. You know, he, he he looks very choppy. Put it that way. You know, he he looks he looks like worn out. Like he hasn't slept. His eyes are red. You, you know the normal the normal kind of stuff that he could put on the creams and everything else to make himself look pretty. They they're not available. You don't look that bad, but it just made me think a little bit. It made me think a little bit. And there he is. There, Rob got it already. There's my man. I'm looking at him right now. Let me look at Ken. Let me look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken, this, you look that's a one of better. the downsides. One of the downsides to this is our uh, production crew that's normally with us. We usually have three or four hair and makeup people, a bunch of production assistants. <laughs> when we've got nothing now, we're doing everything ourselves, old school. Yeah, but you're doing pretty good because <laughs> <laughs> you really are. I noticed that you got some fancy stuff in your ears. You don't have these old-fashioned headphones. You got you got some uh, some new whatever you want to call cans in your ears. High tech. High tech. <laughs> you're moving up, kid. You're you're moving the up. The batteries will be dead by the end of the show, and I'll be using my uh, kids' headphones. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump into some of the upcoming fights and um, see if we can keep some of this lighthearted banter going because uh, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity in describing some of these matchups. But first of all, nothing funny about this one. Canelo Triple G3 has allegedly been announced. I'm not sure if it's finalized. They're talking about, I think, maybe for September. It's not finalized, but go ahead. Keep going. In Vegas at the new Allegiant Stadium, Raiders Stadium. I know that you're a big fan of the Raiders. My son is the assistant director of scouting, baby. Yep. That stadium looks like a spaceship landed in the desert. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It's stealth. That's the word. It's stealth. 
when they build these new stadiums, the technology built into them is unbelievable. And it's hard not to think about when you walk into a new stadium, like for instance, T-Mobile in um, Vegas, as an example, and compare that to, let's say, the old Boston Garden or current Fenway Park. You're like, oh, my God. It's like going back to the dark ages. Or the old Oakland Raiders Stadium. That's why they left. That's yep. why they didn't want yeah, to leave yeah. Oakland. I mean, yep. that that place, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, it was an old rundown. It was a, like an old castle. It was a, like a basement. I mean, yeah. it, it, was, it didn't have the luxury boxes of the way that they do now where they make so much money from that and it just didn't it was not near i mean it was a dilapidated place and they had to they had to get a stadium that's the modern type stadiums where these teams need them for the price they charge for a ticket you know nowadays and everything that people have come accustomed to having when they go to a state-of-the-art stadium you know, food courts and all kinds of things. You know, you you go to them, you get a back massage when you go, right? <laughs> See, I knew I could make them smile and laugh. See, you get a back massage, you get a neck massage, right? All right. Not at the basketball stadium. Let me go into this fight. If you yeah, heard, let's do it. If you heard a giant sigh of relief somewhere, it was coming from John Skipper and the other executives at The Zone when finally, finally, we think, it's not done, but we think that that third fight is signed because when they gave $360 million, when those executives, when those people that are a lot smarter than we are, I guess, when they gave $360 million to Canelo, in their minds, they needed to get a third fight with Triple G. And when they gave $100 million, to Triple G, they exactly. definitely weren't giving him a hundred million dollars if they didn't think there was a Canelo fight in their future, and they yep. were getting nervous. They were getting nervous, and now they maybe it's not done, but maybe they got the fight, and maybe it's going to save a few people's jobs over there if they have it, uh, if they actually do have this fight hunkered down and it actually does happen so that's the good news here's the bad news you ready for the bad news mr smiley here it is (laughs) the bad news is it's too late yeah i know that's just my opinion but it might be too late if you haven't noticed time has passed people have moved on i don't know that that interest is there anymore for that fight. If you haven't noticed, in the Devrachenko fight, uh, Triple G's last fight, a fight that, quite honestly, and I love Triple G, but quite honestly, I tell the truth of what I think. And I thought he probably lost that fight. He showed the heart of the warrior that he is. He wasn't right. Was it because he was sick? Was it was it what a fluke? Was it just an anomaly? What, was it that? Or was it what he is now, an older fighter, a fighter that has left parts of himself in the ring, parts of himself from the first two Canelo fights? In the second Canelo fight, he looked spent at the end. I thought he won both those fights, but that's the past. 
We're talking about the present. We're talking about now and what's relevant now. And I think those fights took a lot out of him. I think 400 amateur fights take a lot out of you. I think when you're at the age he's at, what what is he now? 38, 30, uh, 37, 38, 39. He's getting up there towards that number 40. We'll get the numbers. We got our, our crew here working right in way. We got all our producers and directors and, and stats people working right now 37 there it is 37, 37. and and i always say that you don't judge a fighter's age in this tough business chronologically you judge it by the, the tough fights they've been the amount of fights they've been the amount of punches they've taken and again in the devonchenko fight his last fight he looked like a shot fighter yeah i said it I said it, you people that want to get your knives out now and your bow and arrows and you're ready. How dare you say that about my guy? Listen, I also say that he's been terrific, just like your guy there, Bobby Orr. That, you know, but, but it came a time where Bobby Orr was shot. Am I right, Ken? It came a time when Bobby Orr was not Bobby Orr anymore. He wasn't. Sad day for Boston. A sad day for Boston. But it comes. It's called father time. It's called nature. It's called aging. And it comes to all of us. But we don't all have to fight for a living. When it comes to you in that ring, the truth comes and it can hit you, bang, hard and fast. And again, I'm the first one to say maybe his last fight maybe was indicative, Triple G, of him getting old. Maybe it was just a bad night. Uh, okay, I'm not. I don't buy that. But I'm saying, the good news is the executives at the zone laying out all this money, 360 million to Canelo, 100 million to Triple G. They didn't think they were going to get this fight. It started to look dicey, and now maybe they have it. The bad news is it might be too late. It might be too late. Just like the Pacquiao uh, Mayweather was too late. But that's a little different. That still made money. This one, that was too late athletically. That was too late as far as the prime of both fighters giving you their best performance. But this one might be too late in a way that the fans have let it pass by, that they're no longer interested. After seeing the last fight with Triple G, Fans aren't stupid. Now, I know the X factor. Canelo brings that great, I'll say it again, that great Latino audience. But they're smart, too. They're smart. They're real fight fans. They see what I see, what I'm talking about, that Triple G didn't look like Triple G in his last fight, that a lot of time has passed by. They might have gotten old. And Canelo himself, he didn't want this fight. For the longest, he sounded like a guy who wasn't interested, who had, who had gone past that, been there, done that. He sounded like that guy, like like he didn't think it was competitive anymore. He Now, I know there are people out there that love Trouble G say, but Teddy, that might have just been that. He wanted to avoid a fight, a third fight where he really lost the first two. He wanted to avoid a third fight because he was scared. Okay, I don't think so. I think it's I don't think I don't think fighters like that of that caliber are scared. It, you you don't have a, look at Canelo's box rec. He's fought everyone under the sun. Same with Triple G. So the scared part is a non-event. No, I agree. These guys Ken, aren't scared. Ken, I think when fighters, no different than any other athletes or any other big businessmen, 
when they have had success and have had a big career and made a lot of money and achieved the things that we want to achieve in whatever our vocation, whatever our craft, whatever our trade is, when they get to that point, they need something to motivate them. Mm-hmm. They get. I think that's fair to say. I know you're a pro and you still got to be motivated. It's called self-motivation. Act like a pro. Behave like a pro. You're getting paid. I get it. But they're human. They're not machines. Yeah. And emotion is part of that humanity. And they they get to a point where they they have to be. There has to be something that pushes them. I use a tough word. Something that almost that threatens them, challenges them. I don't think that's there anymore. I think Canelo got to a point where he saw what I'm talking about. He felt it in the last fight where Triple G gave everything he had, and then he saw the Devonchenko fight, and he's like, I don't see the challenge. I, I don't know if I could get myself up the way I did the first two times when there was a real challenge, a real risk. And there's a danger there. There's a danger where... If he's not taking a guy like this seriously, you could have a problem. And and you feel it. You know it. You say, I can't get up for this guy anymore. I don't know. So he was kind of telling us that. He was acting that way. Canelo said it. If you go out there and you look at the stuff in the press and you find it, you'll see stories that documented that where he said, I beat him. There's nothing else to do. I'm not interested. This fight doesn't interest me no more. That could be a problem. And the most important problem money that the people at the zone that gave all this money yeah they finally got the fight okay that's half of the equation the other half (laughs) it better make money (laughs) yeah you got it maybe you got it now but it better make money the one thing that I like about the one argument that I would make on behalf of Triple G and something that you've spoken about in the past extensively is the most dangerous thing in the world can be an experienced former champion where any one night, and we saw that with uh, Inouye and um, Nanito Donaire where everyone had Inouye just run, winning by like death, by murder, and and Donaire was there till the end and gave him probably the toughest fight he's ever had of his life. So I like the thought that Triple G gets up for this and it becomes potentially like one of those epic battles that we'll talk about for years. Is That's what the zone people, they should hire you as their publicist. <laughs> for hire, out of work, and will work for food or toilet paper. Let's go. Or razor blades. <laughs> get, let's see how bad I get tortured by the fans. I'll on bring my, my own earplugs. <laughs> Listen. That obviously, that's what the people at the zone would hope uh, and pray for. Uh, but again, it does come down to De Niro, money, mm-hmm. and will they do the numbers? Now, the good news, I guess, is that it's on their subscription on their app, so it's not like they have to go out there and do pay per view to to get the money, you know. Uh, the way that they did for Fury Wilder, you know, because it's it's on the it's on the Zone app, and if you're a member of the Zone app, you you're gonna get that fight. They're hoping more people will buy it and and will subscribe to you know for for that fight. Um, that's the thing. But at least they don't have to worry about people paying a hundred dollars because I don't think they would pay a hundred. I'll say that again. I don't think they would pay a hundred. But 
I don't know if they're going to subscribe in the numbers that they need to subscribe to make this what it needs to be to make all the money they put out there make sense from a business point of view. I don't know if it can do that. Just like, and and it's a fair parallel. It's right there. We have something to compare it to that just happened a month ago with the with the Fury Water fight. You know, Bob Arum and Top Rank. They they told ESPN the executives that gave a hundred million dollars to Fury. And again, the same thing, very similar. The reason they paid Fury and they signed up Fury was to get the rematch with Wilder. They got it. Yep. But the next part of it, the most important part was to make money. <laughs> it did not do the numbers. Didn't even come close. I know people talk about piracy. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You're, you're a professional. This is what you do for a living. Uh, uh, please. Uh, you're a financial guy. You're really smart. You're really bright. Somebody trusts you with their with their portfolio. They don't want you coming to them late and saying, oh, gee, you know, I didn't know that uh, when I told you to invest in Burger King, I didn't realize that they were going out of business, uh, you know, four <laughs> months later, and they were going to become the vegetarian burger, uh, which I happen to like, you know, because I'm a vegetarian. But guess what? A lot of people out there, uh, uh, they like meat. They actually like beef. And I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. And um, you just lost $3 million. What? No, no. You're an expert. You can't lead me down that path. You, your advice means something. Your judgment means something. You're in that business. So, again, when the executives at ESPN, very smart people, but they went along and, listen, top rank, very smart people, top people. And they went along. They gave the money to Fury. Okay, they got it. They all celebrate. We got the rematch. Only half of the job is done. Now you got to make sure it makes money. And Aram had projected to all the executives they were going to make they were going to do two two million buys am i correct ken is that number that yep. that, that number ra- uh, ring true it ring true my that memory? sounds right two million they were going to do and then others were saying hey come on let's control ourselves if we do a million we'll be happy but they needed around a million to to get their money back to to make it fiscally successful to break even, to get maybe over the even point, right? Yep. But it didn't do that. If my, if I remember correctly, it might have done what? 870,000? Uh, 800-ish thousand. Somewhere yeah. around 800,000. Well, well below where they needed it to be. So I think that this is a great comparison. The zone people, in other words, ESPN lost money on that deal. Now listen, we don't have to worry. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to have, uh, uh, we don't have to have a, uh, 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 what do you call it for ESPN? I think the mouse will be okay at Disney. You know, uh, we we don't have to have a benefit. We we don't have to go out there and do that. I think they're going to be okay, but they don't like to lose money. No, the zone is in the same situation. They put up all this money. They got just like. ESPN got what they wanted. They got the Wilder Fury rematch. Well, now it looks like they might have. It's not done yet, but they might have Triple G, the trilogy, with Canelo 
but they might be in the same freaking boat. And they are in the same boat until it proves otherwise. Until yeah. until the event happens and the numbers come out, right now they're in that boat where, hey, are we gonna be merrily sailing down the you know, down the stream? Merrily, merrily, merrily. Or <laughs> are we gonna be bringing is water gonna be coming in this boat? And and we're gonna be telling a few people, get out of the boat. Get get out! Get we we gotta bail out, and somebody's gonna be thrown off that boat. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying it's a very weird situation in that way. Yeah, they got it, but just like the Fury Wilder fight that did not do the numbers they expected to do, will Canelo number three with Triple G will it? That's that's the sixty four thousand dollar question. Will it do? The numbers. Yeah. And if it doesn't, well, the zone has a problem because they're already leaking in that boat. They're leaking money. They got a big billionaire, but, you know, billionaires that go into boxing, we used to have an old saying, Ken, years ago about boxing. We say, you, you, know, how, you know how you can become a millionaire real quick? <laughs> Go into boxing as a billionaire. <laughs> go, go into boxing as a billionaire, okay? And there's a few characters around. Don King used to be one. I won't go into the others. I, I'm not picking on Don King, but there was a, the, he, he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. And yep. they had an ability. They had an ability to make a billionaire. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let, <laughs> let me try it on you. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> you, you and I are millionaire. They could make a billionaire like that into a millionaire. And that's what this guy that's with that's pumping all the money into the zone, I think he's a little nervous. They've been laying people off over there. And listen, they're they're about to go if they haven't gone into over a hundred countries. Let me let me qualify it because I always want to tell both sides they're going into over 100 countries now hey that's success that's that's pretty damn good but again they're laying people off they've been having money concerns this is this is a big moment for them it's a yeah. it's a it's a big moment for them well, well we'll leave it there on that one um curious to see what happens i mean first thing we got to do is get through this corona quarantine together and uh oh let me add one thing to it can i add one thing to it yeah go ahead having said the deterioration of triple g right yeah on the other hand canelo has gotten better he looked tremendous he looked tremendous in his last fight when he moved up to light heavyweight knocking out kovalev matter of fact if you went off that fight i'm not saying that i'm I'll touch on it a little bit, breaking it down a little bit. But if you went off of that fight and you went off of the last fight with Triple G, which we know you can't always do, but if you did, you ready? Again, sharpen those those arrows, guys. Um, Canelo knocks out Triple G late in this fight, in the, in the trilogy. But I'm not saying you could go off. But if you went off that, if you went off the way Canelo looked and the way Triple G, yeah, yeah. How else could you project it? But another thing that is a big part of this is 
as much as you saw the deterioration of Triple G that I'm talking about, you see Canelo, and I've said it before, has gotten better. That's the one thing. And I think it's got a lot to do. He had the better trainer. I think that the trainer for Triple G at that time, he's got a new trainer now. Now he's got Jonathan Banks. But before that, he had Abel Sanchez. And he just, he wasn't getting better. I mean, he was beating guys because he was tougher, he was stronger, he was bigger than a lot of them. Uh, when he was fighting on HBO regular, he was fighting a lot of the older European junior middleweights uh, that were already in their mid-30s that had already lost at that top level, and he was fighting them and he was doing what he was supposed to do. He was building up a, he was building up a hell of a reputation and a record and a bank account. He was knocking them out. But then when he fought Danny Jacobs and he started fighting the legitimate middleweights, it was a little different. It was a little different. That's fair. It was a little different. And, but I never saw a technical improvement. No sophistication. You know, still the tough, determined guy. Okay. But not, not the other part. And Canelo, I saw the other part. He was getting better. Better. And for me, it's, it's a matter of the mental part for Canelo. Does he overlook? Oh, my God, did I say that? You never thought you... You never... How could you think that I could say such a thing a year ago, two years ago? I could never. He was the underdog. But this time, he would be the favorite, no doubt. He would be the favorite. And it would be a matter of... Again, it's extraordinary that I'm even saying this. Canelo could overlook Triple G. Oh, my God. When he fought him the first time, it was like, are, are they leading their golden goose to slaughter? Is golden mm -hmm. boy leading their... But they were smart. They waited till Triple G got a little older before they made the fight. They were smart. But still, you were worried. He's moving up in weight. He's fighting a Triple G, middleweight. Can... Are they are they making a mistake? Is he gonna get eaten up and chewed and spit out? And I thought he lost the first fight. They gave it a draw. Then I thought he lost the second fight. It was closer, but again they gave the win to Canelo. But the thing is, he could compete. People didn't know if he could compete. They weren't sure if he could compete with Triple G. It's extraordinary that now I'm saying that the thing that going into that fight if it happens that Canelo would have to be most concerned about is that he doesn't overlook the guy isn't that amazing Ken really yep. you talk about a yep. turnaround you talk about a complete reversal that now you'd have to be worried that he's not overconfident that's how yeah. much things have changed no I agree with you and I thought the further decision in the first fight was one of the worst in a long time I thought that um, Triple G clearly won that fight the second one I didn't have as much of a problem with, and I was impressed with the way Canelo changed his whole style and was coming forward all night. So nevertheless, it will make for uh, interesting theater between now and then, and there'll uh, be no shortage of speculation on this one. And the next fight I want to talk to you about, it hasn't been finalized yet, but they've been going back and forth on social media is uh, Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. This is a fight that I would love to see come to fruition both young guys, both outspoken, both at the top of their game. I mean, neither one's been in with the best competition, but they have all the makings to be great. What do you think about this potential fight? Yeah, well, Garcia's only 21 years old. Davis, I believe, is 25, if my memory 
this, but I know it's if I'm not exactly right, I'm very close. In some ways, Garcia reminds me of a young. Matter of fact, that the guy I'm going to compare him to is his promoter, Golden Boy. Reminds me of a young De La Hoya in a way that he's built wiry, that kind of build. Uh, but he's he's a matinee idol. Girls love him. He's a good-looking kid. He says all the right things, you know. He's the antithesis. I'm not here to knock, you know, Davis, but the truth is the truth. He's the antithesis of the image of Davis, you know. He's a choir boy type kid, good-looking kid. You probably, I don't know, you you probably wouldn't be uh, too afraid. Well, I'd be afraid to have my daughter go with anybody, so I better... I better pull back on that, and I think Ken probably has the same mentality as me. You know, I don't care who they are. Uh, I, I don't. I never wanted anyone, and I've been blessed. I've I got a good son-in-law. Thank God, well, my daughter made the right judgments. But you know, he's the kind of guy you wouldn't be afraid of to bring into into your house and to introduce him to your family. And um, and listen, Davis has a different image right now. And it's not Teddy Atlas putting it out there. It's, it's his actions. And I don't know if it's indicative of what he is and what he believes in and and how he wants to live his life. But uh, there's been some damaging video out there with him being very aggressive with a woman at some event. And, um, you know, over the line aggressive maybe. Uh, I, I won't go any further because I'm not going to go into further that I don't know about. But that I know about, that boxing fans know about, that's been out there, uh, that's been seen, that's been documented, and I would be irresponsible if I didn't touch on that because this is an entertainment business. This is about building guys up that can make the most money. Yeah, the best fighters. Yeah, the guys that know what they're doing, the guys that uh, you know, are the most efficient uh, and and. Uh, productive in the ring but also guys that can make the most money you know De La Hoya made a lot of money part of it was because he could fight and part of it was also because he could be marketed and Garcia can be marketed very similar to De La Hoya matinee idol everybody you know good looking kid like I said good image wholesome image I don't know if that image is true just like I don't know if the bad image of Davis is true I don't know but all you can go by is what you see what you know up to that point. Am I correct, Ken? Very. That's that. That's all you can go by. So you have two opposite images here. Uh, so I would think that my first thought would be if that fight happened, this could be the savior to Golden Boy Productions because they're hanging on by a thread. And you know what the name of that thread is? Canelo! <laughs> <laughs> and he has voiced lots of displeasure with them recently, although they've got him one of the biggest deals in history of yeah, boxing with the with exactly. Zone, but he's he's expressed a lot of displeasure with them. So he's he's their golden goose, golden boy, golden goose. Hey, wow, good segue. Wow, gee. Uh, but he's their golden goose, and he can't fight forever. 
And they have to have somebody coming up to Pike if they're going to continue in this business as promoter. Ryan Garcia is that somebody. He could be the next Golden Goose. He could be the next Golden Boy. He could be the next Canelo because he's he's Latino. You have the great Latino market. He's got a great image. He knows how to fight. He hasn't fought anyone yet. I'll preface it with that. I'll qualify it with that. I always do if it's there to be done. He hasn't been tested yet, but... He looks like he has talent. He has ability. He's a guy that's undefeated. He scores knockouts just like Davis does. People like that. And again, he's a good-looking kid. You could market this kid. You could build your company around this kid. You could let him be the successor to the throne, to the Canelo throne. That's how important this kid is and can be to Golden Boy Productions. He's their future. If they're going to have a future, they need this guy to win. So I don't know if they're going to put him in that fight too fast, but right now, he he might be the next Canelo if he wins and he could be continues winning and he could be properly brought along. He could be the next Canelo. And what do I mean by that? I mean money. I mean pay-per-view money. I mean a guy that sells. He could be that. Now, Tank Davis on the other side, he's got the opposite image. You know, he he doesn't have that clean-cut image. I mean, uh, right now, if you've probably built a fight, you know, and you you made a name for the fight, it might be the the choir boy versus the uh, you know I don't know the the thug. Uh, I mean, there's people probably, right? They probably say, you know, this guy behaves more like that. This guy looks like a choir boy, you know. Uh, I wonder if it'll be, I'm trying to remember and take a look at my notes. I wrote down a couple of names, like in the old days when Don King would name a promotion. He would always give a promotion a name. Uh, I want to see what names I had put out there or I had marked down to remind myself uh, is your handwriting as bad as mine? <laughs> yes. I usually type all my notes. You type them. See, I don't know how to type. Neither do I. I go one letter at a time. One of them I put down, one of the names, it could be the, it could be, they could call him the fighting angel. Oh my goodness. Did I really write that down? <laughs> also, <laughs> uh, they could call, they could say that. Well, you get the idea. And so you could promote it as good versus, I shouldn't say evil, but good versus bad. You know, uh, the the white hat, the black hat. Uh, it's in some ways, it's a promotional, a promoter's dream to, you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, they say to make great fights in a ring, you have to have contrasting styles or the right styles. Well, to make a great promotion, you have to have contrasting personalities or the right personalities. And you have contrasting personalities, you know, to have one guy be the so-called, whatever you want to call him, hero. And again, I'm the first one to preface this by saying, I don't really know the life that Garcia lives. You never know somebody until you know somebody. You never know what's behind closed doors, what they're really living. But from what's projected, from what we do think we know, you'd, you'd have the, you know, the the villain versus the hero, so to speak. You know, uh, yeah. whatever you want to. 
I mean, you might even, I, I'll give them help with the promotion. You might even want Garcia to come in on a white horse. <laughs> like like the, the, the gallant, the gallant, uh, you know, savior, uh, the, the, the prince, uh, you know, coming in there uh, with, with all his virtues and he's going to clean up the town. He's going to get rid of this bully, this, this villain, uh, and and make everything, make it a fairy tale ending. You might want to have that kind of promotion, but as far as the physicalities, the tangible stuff away from the promotion, away from the perception, uh, and and both guys' personalities, you have Garcia at twenty one. He physically he's different. He's wiry, like I said, a little bit like De La Hoya. Uh, he hasn't gotten his man muscles yet. Yeah. He hasn't really gotten that maturity, physical maturity yet, where Tank Davis is more mature physically. He's he's a more put together, stronger, uh, more solid guy physically, where, again, I, that's the way we used to say it in boxing. Uh, the 21-year-old hasn't really matured physically yet. He hasn't gotten that man body yet, those man muscles yet so to speak. And listen, he might never get them. That might just be his physical makeup that he's a wiry guy. And we've had plenty of wiry guys that were great fighters, great champions, Serrate, Oguayo, uh, Foster, the, the, great, the great light heavyweight champion, uh, Bob Foster. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had play, Tommy Hearns. I mean, we've had great, they're wiry guys, usually wiry guys can punch. They get good talk, good leverage in their punches. They can usually punch, even though you think of punches being muscular, like a Tyson. But no, the wiry guys, they can be dangerous guys because, again, they they get that leverage in their punches. Um, so he might, he's probably destined to be that kind of physique. But you still, at a certain point, do mature. Even with that, Tommy Hearns matured a little bit. Even with that, you still get a certain maturity physically that he hasn't quite gotten and Tank Davis has that uh, right now. Now Tank Davis, neither guy has fought anybody significant because uh, they have one opponent in common in Francisco Fonseca and Davis knocked him out in the eighth round but got touched a few times prior to getting him out of there and uh, Ryan Garcia him. just recently destroyed him in the first round devastating knockout yeah but when you get a guy second when you get a guy yeah, second fair. after he's been already beaten down knocked out discouraged damaged very fair that it's then it can be easier the second time. So in fairness yes. to Tank Davis. But that doesn't matter. What matters is from a physical standpoint, breaking the fight down. I already broke down the financial parts of it where Golden Boy needs this guy to stay undefeated. He, he's the, he could be the face of their company moving forward after Canelo if they're going to have a company, yeah. if they're going to have a future. The future might lie in the hands of Garcia for all the reasons I just said. And yeah. But from a physical standpoint of breaking the fight down, X's and O's and everything tangible inside the squared circle, you got neither guy has really truly been tested. Uh, they've never fought anybody really 
that's turned out to be that fight that has answered questions that you might have in your mind. What's inside the guy? What is in his heart? What's in his soul? What's he made out of? What kind of answers does he have to tough questions? We haven't really been in that place with either one of these fighters, but Davis has the edge there. He's more experienced. He's fought better competition, a little bit better. And he did get tested a tiny bit, not really, but a little bit in his last fight against Gamboa. That's the good news. The bad news is he wasn't supposed to be. The yeah. bad news is Gamboa's shot. Again, a lot of people out there, oh, there goes an arrow. Oh, I got away from it. You missed. All right. <laughs> you're, you're getting mad at me. But listen, I can only speak what I believe. He's a shot fighter, but he has plenty of heart. He was an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, he had been knocked out before this. And just uncannily, he went to he stayed 12 rounds. He got stopped, I think, in the 12th round with Davis, I believe, right? Uh, yeah. You guys will look it up. Rob will look it up. But he he went, uh, he he put forward a performance, and he got hurt with his leg early. Um, and he wound up fighting injured for, for probably 10 rounds. But You got the TKO in the 12th. Yeah, and Davis finally stopped him in 12th. But it was a disappointing performance in some ways because most people, probably Davis himself, maybe that was part of the problem. Davis thought he would knock him out early. And when he didn't, uh, you know, mentally it, was, it, it screwed him up a little bit. That happens. That happens sometimes. Or you go in there and you, you're looking to throw one shot and, and walk home and it doesn't happen. You're not prepared for what you should be prepared for you know, yeah. uh, in a normal fight. And that could happen to somebody. It happens. It happens to the, you know, to guys on the way up. But having said that, Davis has been in a little tougher, even in a fight that, again, it wasn't supposed to be tough. I'm not saying it was tough, but it was tougher than people thought it would be, tougher than Davis thought it would be. So he went rounds with Gamboa. Uh, he won probably just about every round or most rounds, but, he still was a little little bit more than was projected to be. So the advantage to Davis as far as experience, as far as having faced a little bit of music, you know, that's not always uh, opera music, but that can be rock and roll music, a uh, little harder mu music. He's faced a little bit more of it inside that ring. Uh, Davis is a physically strong guy, a good puncher, aggressive Garcia's the boxer. So if that fight happens, you're going to have the boxer versus the slugger. That's beautiful uh, for promoters, for fans. Yeah, going to have Garcia on the outside looking to box, looking to catch Davis coming in. And you're going to have Davis, for the most part, trying to get in. You know, mm -hmm. I think the edge right now probably would be towards Davis because of being a little bit more mature, a little bit more tested, a little bit more experienced. That's why it's not going to happen right now. I don't think. Yeah. Because I think Canelo's mm -hmm. people, uh, not Canelo's people, but Garcia's people who also have Canelo, uh, De La Hoya. Same trainers as well. He's got the same promoter and trainer. I think they're going to follow the same blueprint they follow with Canelo. Don't put him in that signature fight until he's ready. You know, uh, yeah. wait until he's ready and give him a little bit more time. Uh, and I think he 
he could use just a little bit more time. At the end of the day, right now, Davis has the edge. But by time it comes around for the right time, I got a funny feeling. They're pretty good at picking the right time over there. They're pretty good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it would be the kind of fight where I don't think you need Teddy Atlas to tell you who the networks, who the who the power brokers out there, the executives uh, in the networks would rather win. I think they'd rather see Garcia win because of the image, everything I went over you know, explaining, uh, and because he's got that great Latino market behind him where if he's built right, he can mean a lot of money. For sure. He can bring in, he, he means a lot to the box office. He means more to the box office, I believe, than Tank Davis does if, if he's brought along the right way. And that means continue winning. I agree with you. I was at the Garcia, I was at that uh, fight with um, Garcia's last fight against... Um, who do we say he just fought um, against Fonseca? And um, it was at the Honda Center in Anaheim. And if it wasn't sold out, it was pretty damn close. And that wasn't a big card on paper. I didn't think it would be that. I didn't think there'd be that many people there. The place was filled to the rafters, celebrities. And at the same time, Tank Davis sold out the uh, arena in Atlanta for his last fight. He brings out his fans. They come they come out to watch him. So both of these guys, no doubt, could sell out any big stadium in the country and do huge but numbers. It, but for I the think. future, if- for the TV, for the thinking in in those dimensions, Ken, I think that yeah. those executives, those people, obviously Golden Boy because they have Garcia. But I think they would sell it as we want Garcia because of the image, because. Uh, the good looks because he 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 crosses over maybe to bringing women into it too. Oh, for just sure. like De La Hoya did. So many women at his last fight; it was crazy. I mean, De La Hoya did that when he was at his best. Yeah. He he did that. Mm-hmm. He he was one of the rare guys that that do that. By the way, I just found my. I know you were waiting for it. I was finding my possible promotional tags. You know, names. Um, <laughs> how about? The jabbing bachelor meets the intruder. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm not getting my promoter's license today. Um, okay, listen. Everybody, it's great to have a signature. You go out to a bar and they, you know, you go out to these fancy places and they have a sign- signature drink. You know, with the umbrella in it or something, right? I don't know. And <laughs> and it's great when a fighter has a signature punch. You know, mm-hmm. and it separates them. And for me, in this fight, one guy has a signature punch. It's Garcia, and he would look to land that punch if they ever fight, and that would to win the fight. Obviously, um, Davis would look to yeah. use his physicality and his aggression. And maybe relentlessness, maybe, um, and and back it up with that experience that I talked about. For Garcia, he has a signature punch. It's a real whip like sneak, whip like sneaky left hook that gets inside of a right hand. Yep. Like if you start to throw your right hand and maybe lunge from a little too far away. He can beat you to the mark where he's got good vision, he's calm, he's standing at a good distance, where he has a good sense of distance. Because for him to win the fight, he has to fight on the outside, and Davis has to get inside. And he's got a good sense of that distance and vision where 
he just, I don't know if you can see me, but bang, uh, bang. Yeah. He just, like you start to draw that right hand too far and he sees a little hole. He sees a little light, a little daylight, you know? And all of a sudden, boom, yep. bang, bang. He just, he just whips it right in there. It's a devastating punch. It's a spectacular punch. It's the punch that scored a knockout for him in the fight you talked about with Fonseca, uh, right, in his last fight, I believe. Um, yep. And yep, yep. it's the punch that, that if he's going to move forward and be everything that people that back him want him to be, it's going to be a big part of his future, that punch. Uh, and looking to get Tank Davis in a position where he can catch him with it. Yeah. And... And you know it's it's kind of like Wada has a signal punch, signature punch, the right hand. He sets it up with the jab. He didn't do too good with it in the Fury fight, of course, but uh, up to that point, that was his signature punch. Uh, let me see who else has a signature punch. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess well, Joe Frazier's punch was the left hook, of course. Uh, I guess if if you said Canelo had a signature punch. I mean, he's pretty well-rounded now. He's improved a lot, like I said earlier. But maybe it's the left hook to the body. You know, he's got a pretty good left yeah. hook to the liver. Uh, maybe. Maybe that's his signature punch. Mickey Ward had that left hook to the body. Yeah, Mickey Ward, that was his signature punch. And the way he set it up, Ken, as long as you brought up Mickey Ward from Boston, uh, I salute, Ken, uh, that you got another <laughs> Bostonian mentioned during our show. I salute, Don, Don Ken. And the way that he would set it up, would be he would touch up top again i'm trying to line up with the camera here he would touch up top am i good rob am i mm -hmm. in a good position he touched you here just touch you real quick ken to get your elbow to come up just a little bit and then boom he just touch it bop 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 and and then just whip it downstairs real quick and get it in there in the uncovered area he was really, really. I like this. I liked it when he would double up that body punch, the hook to the body. He'd throw one to the head and then two to the body. Yeah, yeah. He listen. He made a. He made. He finally got his due, and he got his million dollar fight with Arturo Gatti. God bless him. He's not with us anymore. Uh, what an action fighter he was. What he was. The, yeah. He was. If you gave him a nickname, it would be the cardiac kid, right? I mean, <laughs> for sure. Because I think people called him that, but. I mean, he'd be losing, and then he'd come back, bang, and he'd catch you. You know, he'd be on the floor, but he'd get up, and he'd come back and grab you. But, uh, yeah, Mickey Ward, he used that punch to get to where he got to, to get to that million-dollar yep. fight, to to get to the yep. places that some fighters never get to. Yep, and he'd take a lot of punches to get there, too. Yeah, he did. He did. He he was he has big a heart as anybody. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, most fighters have hearts, some more than others. Uh, you know, if you're in this business, it's a hot business. You better, you better have something beaten pretty big and loud underneath that uh, chest. But uh, he had one of the bigger ones, no doubt about it. He had one of the bigger ones. Well, let's um, let's move on from the uh, Garcia Davis fight and get into one of the heavyweight fights coming up. Uh, Anthony Joshua next against Kubrat Pulev, the Kissing Bandit. Um, this one's scheduled for June twentieth in London. I, I I can't imagine that any of these fights are going to happen because, in addition to ending this quarantine, 
These guys are going to need eight to 10 weeks to get in shape. Not, no one should, could, or should be in a gym training with other people at this stage of the game, right? If we're Maybe all- they're trained to answer that. Maybe they're training privately, though, Ken. Could be. They're not going to be get. They, they 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 shouldn't be getting too much sparring. I mean, it's it's fine if you're all locked in this in the same place. But if you if one person social distancing and the other guy isn't, it's not much good. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you you can make inquiries. You know. Yeah. You can make inquiries and and make sure not that everyone's well, going to be fair. honest with you, but yeah, you you do have your sources, and you could figure it out. But it could be done. I'm not saying it's going to be done. I'm not saying it's even responsible to do it right now. I'm not saying any of that. But somebody, maybe Dana White will be the first guy. But somebody is going to is going to be the first uh, to put to put a fight on uh, while this is going on. You know, I mean, everyone's going to wait the responsible amount of time. We're all doing that. And hopefully everybody continues to do that. But somebody, maybe Dana White, he's talked about it. Somebody's going to be the first one to break that embargo, so to speak, and and do it and do prob- do it in an empty stadium with no people. Uh, obviously, you know, have to as far as the training, the fighters would have to figure that out how they do that safely, correctly. But it's going to happen. You know, and um, who knows when the timeline is, but my money would be on Dana White being the first guy with the UFC to probably, uh, you know, we'll talk about that later, that stuff, but yeah, that, that would probably be the guy that's already thinking from what everybody hears or what we hear and what you hear out there, you know, publicly that he's thinking along those lines. But as far as Pulev and, and uh, Joshua... Let's let's say the fight does happen. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on it real fast. If the fight does happen, Joshua, we all know Joshua. He's a guy that everybody thought he was the best. Most people thought he was the best heavyweight. Not everyone. Some people thought Wilder was. Uh, Fury was a dark horse at that point. But a wild card. Uh, some people thought he was. But a lot of people thought Joshua was. And then, of course, he gets knocked out by Ruiz. But then he reinvents himself which is not an easy trick. It's not an easy trick, Ken. Let me see you reinvent yourself. Can you do that? You can't do that so fast. <laughs> it's hard. You're genuine. You're real. You, you can't just reinvent it, Ken. But Joshua remade himself. He was a guy that was in front of you, used his physicality, big guy. He had that body, sculptured body, right, like an Adonis statue, and he's he's right there. He's he'll look to counter, he'll look to lead. You know, he's an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, he was he was bringing the fight to you. To, he had a little dimension to him. He could counter with the left hook, but for the most part, he could take a little step back to a right hand. But for the most part, he was taking the fight to you. And then he gets knocked out by Ruiz. He reinvents himself and he becomes a you know poor man's version of Muhammad Ali. And I'm not knocking him because everybody's a poor man's version to Muhammad Ali. So that's not a knock at all. But you know he start he he did a real good job. He did a real good job of reinventing himself, doing what he had to do to take advantage of Ruiz in the second fight uh, and to play into to play into Ruiz's weaknesses and away from his strengths. I think that's fair. And so you know what you have. Now, how's he going to be in this next fight with this new style? 
Is it still going to be that new style or is it be a combination of the old and the new? That's interesting. Uh, Pulev is a guy who had a big amateur career, but he's not hes not a spring chicken. I, I believe he's 38 years old, uh, very close to that number 40. You know, when 40 comes, you know, things start to change a little bit. And he's not... Oh, Kent don't like that. Kent does not like that. I just realized. I just, <laughs> he's he's 38. He's a spring chicken. He's a spring chicken. I'm sorry, Kent. You're right. You're 100% right. <laughs> so you got you got Pulev, who's been a little bit of a disappointment. He was a good amateur, uh, but he wasn't quite what the people who signed him up. He's from Bulgaria. The people that had him, the promoters, everybody... He wasn't quite what they thought he would be. He got knocked out. He's got one loss. He got knocked out by Klitschko. Hey, guys get knocked out by Klitschko. Uh, I think that was back in 2016. If uh, if you got all the papers, I don't have papers for that. That was uh, 2014. 2014. So he got knocked out. So we're, we're talking about six years ago. Uh, obviously, he's won all his fights since, but obviously... Not quite at that level. He's twenty. He's twenty-eight and one, but he's only got fourteen knockouts. And for a heavyweight, you don't see that very often, where a guy's only knocking but, out. But but to fairness, you know, I yeah, I'll put in the bad dimensions, but I'll put in the good ones too. I think people know that he's beaten some decent guys. I think he beat Chisora. He, I think he beat. I'm trying to remember. I, he's beaten a couple decent guys. He lost to Klitschko. I think he beat Chisora. He beat Chisora. He okay. beat um, he beat Huey Fury, Sam Peter, um, Mo Harris. George Peter was Harriet. a one trick pony. You know he yep. could punch, but but he was one dimensional and he wasn't disciplined and he didn't last long. But he could punch. He's beaten some decent guys, and he got knocked out by Klitschko. But he has been a disappointment for what people thought. When they signed them up coming out of the amateurs, they thought yeah. they had a golden trinket. They thought they had, you know, a guy who could win a heavyweight title. And maybe they still do. But now it doesn't look as good as it did when they thought what they thought they were getting. He hasn't developed into that. And now he, of course, at 38 gets his chance to fight. Joshua, when it does happen, it'll be in London. It'll be almost impossible to win a decision there. Uh, I would like Joshua in that fight, obviously. Uh, Pulev reminds me, I'm going to give Rob some work to do uh, because he looked like he was sitting around too much today. He, (laughs) I'm going to, there was a Cuban that came out of the Olympics, Ken, years ago. I think his name was Gonzalez. I can't remember. But he came out of the Olympics. He was the man. He was the he was the guy. He had beaten Lennox Lewis and Riddick Bowe in the amateurs. I mean, this was the guy. And they people signed him up and thought he was gonna be the next heavyweight champ. No doubt about it. Was that Jorge Luis Gonzalez? Yes. There it is. And he never came close to that. He never, he never came close to that. I think he got knocked out by Paul finally, and he never, he never came close to the potential that he had shown in the amateurs. Now, why? 
Too many amateur fights? Maybe. He got old? Maybe. Transition from amateurs to pros, you know, going more rounds? Maybe. Lack of discipline coming from a, a, a very depraved, deprived, uh, harsh regime country in Cuba and then coming over here and having people give you money and having the freedoms that you never had before. Maybe you were performing at that level, which you had a level of doing. You had the ability to do it. But maybe you were doing it because there was forced discipline on you. Now you don't have forced discipline. Now you're on your own. You're in America. And maybe hitting the shores was his championship. Maybe that yeah. did satisfy him. I don't know. All I know is that he didn't pan out to be what everyone thought he was going to be. And it reminds me a little bit of Pulev, where they thought he was going to be this, you know, they had high expectations coming out of the amateurs. Maybe they put him with Klitschko too soon. I don't know. He's going to get his chance now to redeem himself. But it he's more on a pathway of looking like he's going to wind up being Jorge Gonzalez, Luis Gonzalez than on a pathway that he's going to wind up being Pulev heavyweight champ. Yeah, I would agree. I agree with you. I don't want to spend too much time on that because I think you're right. I think that that one on paper, Joshua should win that one. But um, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. That's fair. Um, you touched on um, Dana White in the UFC and what they're trying to do. They're desperately trying to get back to having events in any way they can. And one of the events that they're desperately trying to save is um, Khabib Namagamadov versus Tony Ferguson. And before I turn it over to you, just some quick background for those who don't follow MMA. This will be the fifth time that they're trying to schedule this fight. The first time they scheduled it, Khabib had to pull out right before the fight with a rib injury. The second time, Tony Ferguson had to pull out with fluid and blood in his lungs. The third time, Khabib got hospitalized the day before the fight or two days before the fight, trying to make weight, ended up in the hospital. And on the fourth fight, days before the fight's go is scheduled, they're doing some press and PR hyping the fight and Tony Ferguson literally trips on some production wires at a, at a studio interview and blows out his knee and the fight's off for the fourth time. So now they got it scheduled again for the fifth and now we've got the coronavirus threatening to um, derail the event again. It seems like this fight is cursed, but um, this fight, I mean, there, there's a reason they've tried to make it five times. People want to see this. I mean, you've got Khabib hasn't lost, just destroying people on the ground. And Ferguson is a personality and um, if he has losses, it's not many. And uh, he, this guy's a well-rounded, very non-traditional fighter. He's got a wild personality. They've done a great job of promoting and hyping this fight and I know you've had a chance to look at a little bit on both guys what are your thoughts well Khabib is special he's undefeated as we like to say in my business he has one great advantage and one great dimension that you don't measure the way you measure you know other more tangible skills like speed or power or finesse or footwork he has he has the psychological dimension of never having learned how to lose thinking nobody can beat him this is a special guy he wrestled bears i know a lot of that's you know the bears might not have had fingernails <laughs> they he might have had a manicure 
you know. You you have manicure lately? <laughs> Hell no. Just, okay, all right, no problem. So, and you know, so the, but he still he was a kid, nine, ten years old, eleven. What? And part of the tradition of the part of the world where he came from, you're going to be a warrior. They built that mentality. Part of being a warrior, part of your development, your progression uh, as a man from a boy is to wrestle with a bear. So you know, psychologically, that has to that has to have some purpose to it, some purpose of how creating a feeling inside you, a feeling of being special, of being a warrior, you know, being a guy that could conquer anything. He fights like that. He does fight like He's that. He's from Dagest- da- Dagestan, Russia. Yeah, he, he does fight like that, Ken. So, yeah. but breaking it down in my world, he's... He'd be like the fighter that's a better inside fighter than an outside fighter. And that Ferguson, for me, would be the better outside fighter. That Ferguson could strike better. You know, on his standing up, he could strike a little bit better. But Khabib's, one of his great abilities is not just being on the floor. It's being able to get what he wants. That's a great ability. You know, you might have a great talent, but can you bring the guy to the place where you can use your talent? Can you get your way? He has a way of getting his way. That's a great talent. That shouldn't be minimized or overlooked. You know, that 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 a guy, yeah, you got a great talent, but some guys could keep you from using it. He finds a way to use it. He finds a way to make the fight the kind of fight he wants it to be, not the fight you want to be. For me, Ferguson... Would want would have the edge on the outside striking, but somewhere along the line, with Khabib, you're probably going to wind up on the mat, and that's where, from the little bit of knowledge I have, I don't profess to be, you know, a great knower of everything UFC, but I do my work, I do my due diligence, I look at tape, I know about fighting, I hope, and it's still fighting. And the one thing that I see in this fight is that could bear really well for Ferguson and make it a really interesting fight, a tremendously interesting fight. Because Khabib, if I'm right, he's 28-0, which is unheard of in in UFC. Am I correct about that? I think he's 28-0. Yes. And and it's unheard of. I mean, boxing, you get it's it's. It's nothing uncommon with a guy being 20 and 0, 25 and 0, 28 and 0, you know, 16 and 0. But not so much in UFC because it speaks to the fact that Dana White running the show makes guys fight tough guys. You don't you don't get yep. to pick lollipops all the time. You know, you, you he he forces you to fight competitive tough fights. So you got to really earn that 28 and 0. You know, and and everyone earns it. I mean, looks Mayweather earned his fifty. You know, but there's less room for taking the soft ones. I think there's more. I think there's more of. Uh, there's more of a pressure put on you to fight the toughest guys out there, not to worry about building a record. So you could get to a money fight on a network. Yeah. In, in UFC, it's about giving the audience the most competitive fights on as much of a regular basis as you can. Is that fair? Yeah. 
Very. And and that's what Dana White does. That's the difference between boxing and, of course, UFC in, in that way. That's why it would be interesting to me if he became a promoter. But that's something we'd have to talk about another time. But I think it could be healthy for boxing because of that. Yeah. Because instead of having so many A's versus B's, where only the A's going to win 99.9% of the time in boxing, you'd have more A's versus A's. Yeah. Or B's versus B's. Those are good too. Very. They're competitive. Anyone, each guy has a fair chance to win. Not always the case in boxing. Mm -hmm. But having said that, I believe what makes this an interesting fight for me, a compelling fight even, is Ferguson has the edge with the undefeated fighter on the outside standing up, striking. And Khabib, of course, is the best on the mat, and he's unbeatable with his background, with his knowledge, everything. But Ferguson, from what I understand and what I've seen, He's really good on the mat, too. Mm-hmm. That's that's the X factor here, that he could survive on the mat with Khabib, maybe handle his own on the mat where a lot of people can't, and have an edge on the outside. Yep, That's what makes it interesting to me, is that sooner or later, you know that, that old commercial, you're going you're gonna to pay me sooner or later, <laughs> pay me now, pay me later, yep. sooner or later, I think that, Sooner or later, you're going to wind up on the floor with Mr. Khabib. But this is a guy in, this is a guy in, where you wind up on the floor, he can hold his own. He can surprise Khabib. He is really good on the floor. Yep. He has the credentials. He has the talents. I believe he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He he's a got a tremendous wrestling background. Yep. So. If anybody could maybe threaten at zero right now with Khabib, even more so than Conor McGregor, because at the time when Conor McGregor fought him, I think most people knew that that was more about the promotion. Very much. It was more about money. It was more about Conor McGregor's personality. You know, McGregor's a hell of of a fighter. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think too many people thought that he would really, really win. But this is a fight where it's not just about the sizzle. It's also about more of the stake. Yeah. And he has more of the stake because of what I just said, going, bring into this fight. No, you're right. That's a good one. It'll be curious to see if they can keep this card alive or even this fight. They've talked about a lot of different scenarios, so we'll look to see what happens there. Well, listen... This has been a great episode. We covered a lot of ground. I want to uh, thank you. Thank the fans for tuning in. Before we leave, I just want to give a quick shout out to our guys at Athletic Greens. I've been using this every day in quarantine, making sure I get the like nutrients that I need. Uh, please check them out. They, they're not paying us to do this. We're just huge fans of the product. I know you like it as well, Teddy. And um, while you're in the quarantine, if you're looking for some entertainment aside from the podcast, Check out Teddy's book on audible.com. Atlas, From the Streets to the Ring, A Son Struggle to Become a Man. Excellent read, excellent listen. Guys, thanks for being with us. Teddy, you got anything bef- anything else before we say goodbye? I said enough. Just uh, be safe out there. Take care of yourselves. Look out for each other. And uh, yep. just be the 
be what uh, I talked about before, about people that come from this country. Be a great American, you know. Uh, be resilient. Be smart. Be tough. Uh, and be caring. You guys are the best at doing that. The best at doing that. That's why we have such a great country. It's because of the people we have. Just be those people. That's enough. Yep. All right, guys, everyone be healthy, stay safe, and uh, we'll be back with you real soon. Thank you. Thank you.